This is the Studio Alchemy Podcast, episode 104, Symbols as Signs. Our quote is by Mel Chizdek. We can follow the form beneath our being, from the invisible atom to the infinite stars, finding ourselves in each step. Hello, everyone. The purpose of this podcast is to explore creative ways to transform our lives using the artistic process. Alchemy was the ancient study of changing materials from one thing into another, and we all do this every day. Every choice you make is transforming our world. On this podcast, we hunt for the wise balance between accepting what is and taking empowered action. My name is Addie Hirshton. I am an artist. I sign my paintings with the name Vita. I teach art classes and have written a few books, including The Alchemy of Painting and my new book we will be reading from today, The Alchemy of Symbols. To find out more about my projects, classes, and to sign up for my art newsletter, I invite you to go to my website, studioalchemy.art. And now for our topic of the day. So this episode, today's episode, is an excerpt from my book, The Alchemy of Symbols, How to Use the Power of Images to Transform Your Life. Uh, We're going through, uh, for several podcast episodes worth, and and just reading one chapter from the book each week. Uh, Today we are reading chapter four, Symbols as Signs. And I have to say several things about this chapter before we get into it and before I read it to you. One is that I just want to go on record as saying this was the most difficult and yet also rewarding chapters to write in the book. You know, I said last week, oh, the, the last, <laughs> last chapter three was so easy. It was, that was easy. This was extremely hard. And the reason it was hard for me to write was because in this chapter, I'm talking about people's religious beliefs um, and I am a, I'm a very agnostic person, but I can be skeptical uh, about s- religious things. And, but I wanted to be as respectful as possible to folks whose beliefs are different than my own and to write it in such a way where I'm inviting the reader to come up with their own conclusions or just even to notice what they believe and how their belief might be different than other people's. So, you know, for example, this isn't something I talk about in the book, but, you know, many cultures, if you make an altar and you have an image of a deity on the altar, it's not just a metaphor, that object, that symbol of the deity. It is the deity itself. So if I go and take a a sculpture of Ganesh off of a Hindu altar and I smash it, they would view that not just as disrespecting the people who created the altar itself, but disrespecting the deity. so, So there's all these religious beliefs that can be tied to objects and symbolism um, that can can really alter depending on the person. And so this chapter, I'm trying to hint at that. I'm trying to probe and encourage people to think for themselves about how they feel about these things. 
and just to talk about it because most books on symbols, and I've read, man, writing this book, I felt like I read them all. Most books on symbols don't talk about religious beliefs, and it's so important and prevalent. Our interpretations of the objects around us, how we put weight and meaning to it, and how you know so many people tie spirituality to it, or perhaps they see a symbol of something that happens and they see it metaphorically, but it still helps them make decisions about things that are going on in their lives. It's a big difference. Um, and I wanted to talk about that and to bring in some of the things that have happened in my own life or things that just gave me a sense of awe. I started our podcast today with the quote, we can follow the form beneath our being from the invisible atom to the infinite stars, finding ourselves in each step because we humans have a tendency to look at the objects and symbols around us and place this weighty meaning in those things and we see ourselves within those objects and we hold them to be sacred perhaps is the word, we place great importance on the symbolic objects around us. We see ourselves within atoms, within stars, within the altar pieces. And from that noticing, we can learn so much about ourselves and what is important to us. I, I just wanted so hard to do this in a respectful way. So I, I hope that you enjoy this chapter. I hope it uh, awakens in you um, new thoughts and feelings about religious symbolism. And, and I think, and I'll just say one more thing, I do think that so many people find comfort in symbols in a way that can be religious, but it can also just be emotional. And that's what this chapter is about. So, and final note before I actually read the chapter itself, I'd like to share a special thanks to the Indiana Arts Commission for their generous grant to write this book. Um, if you'd like a copy of the illustrated book, you want to go to my website, studioalchemy.art, for a link to purchase it. Okay, without further ado, chapter four, Symbols as Signs. I start a quote by the Grimm brothers. Saint Joseph handed her a rose and said, never fear. When this blooms, you will be with me again. Some of my earliest memories are of my father playing his trombone in the Jack Thomas Band. He was also a high school music teacher, and his students played in the marching band at football games. I remember standing in front of his students, blasting their horns. I loved the powerful waves of sound. When we were in the car driving on a lonely street and music like the Beach Boys came on the radio, Papa would sway the car to the beat. Nothing gave him more joy than music. In 1986, when we were living in Knoxville, Tennessee, my father died of cancer. A few years later, my sister, mother, and I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, 
And in 2004, my father's mother passed away in Knoxville, and my family went to her funeral. After attending the burial, we decided to visit my father's grave. He is buried in the Episcopal Church of the Ascension, a beautiful church that sits serenely at the top of a grassy hill where I remember hunting for Easter eggs as a child. Papa had requested to be cremated and for his ashes to be placed in a mausoleum. He said he didn't want to rot in the ground. The mausoleum is housed deep within the church building, not in an exterior structure. When we arrived, it was a Saturday afternoon. Only two cars were in the parking lot. We went to one entrance, but it was locked. We found another and were able to enter the building, but the hallway to the mausoleum was also locked. We heard music. Following the sound, we wandered toward the main sanctuary, a grand classic space with a cathedral ceiling. In the balcony was a trombone player. He was playing his heart out. The sound swelled to every nook and cranny of the sanctuary, reverberating through the space. It was so loud, it was hard to talk. My mother ventured up to the balcony. She told the trombone player that we had come to visit my father's grave and that she was moved to hear his playing since my father had also played the trombone. She asked him if he had a key to the mausoleum side of the building. He did. We went down to visit the grave. I felt, however, that my father's spirit wasn't in the mausoleum, but it was up in the sanctuary with the musician. After returning the key and exiting out to the parking lot, the most skeptical person in our family said, well, that was strange. It was then that I realized how amazing of a coincidence it was that this trombonist was practicing his music when we arrived. At no other time in my life have I ever stumbled across a trombone soloist when paired with the fact that my father was a trombone player and we were there to visit his grave, the event felt miraculous. And for me, the trombone player symbolically represented my father's love for music continuing past his, his lifetime. It was a comforting sign. Within this event is a reflection of my father. His zest for life can be mirrored in any person who loves music. This incident encouraged me to use music to symbolically honor my father. In this way, we can use symbols as reminders of what we love. The symbolic arts are meaningful to us because our longing loves to be echoed. John O'Donohue wrote that the mysterious invites us ever nearer the hearth of truth. Witnessing the trombone player opened me to the possibility of connection through symbolic metaphor. In this chapter, I will share with you many examples of symbols as signs and thoughts on how to interpret them. Consider what your religious beliefs are on the subject. Some of the ideas about signs covered here I embrace and others I do not. In most cases, I interpret them metaphorically. I feel this section is important to include, however, because of how significant religious symbols are to people 
in many cultures and because so many books on symbolism gloss over the spiritual beliefs that are attached to symbols. Many people believe that if they encounter a symbol under special circumstances, it can be a signal from the divine or individual spirits. These signs are viewed as messages of hope or caution for the viewer. Signs can be found in the form of objects, dream images, and animals. This chapter shares a variety of those ideas. Ask yourself whether you believe that symbolic signs might appear from a divine source or if they're only metaphors. I would caution against allowing a superstition about symbols to lead to prejudice. I once had a man decide that I was not a good person to associate with because I had made a painting depicting a solar eclipse. He had read that eclipses are bad omens. To me, his actions were insulting. I did not appreciate being viewed as a bad person. And how we feel about a symbol can help us make decisions, yet those feelings should be tempered with a clear view of reality. As with any encounter with another person, it's important to be respectful of others and open to new experiences. I believe symbols do not need to close us off to possibilities. Symbols can open us. Symbolic signs can serve as a personal gut check to help us make decisions as long as we stay aware of our own cultural biases. Quote by Carl Jung, Man's destiny is marked out for him by symbols. When my cat Luna was at the vet having her kidneys tested, I waited for the results in the parking lot. The street light above me suddenly flickered, then went out. The doctor called to give me the sad news that Luna's kidneys had failed. She would soon die. The light going out reflected the fading of her own life. When a symbol shows up at a time that is coincidental and eerie, it can feel meaningful. For example, many people in the past reported that clocks stopped when their owners died. Frederick the Great's pendulum clock is said to have stopped on the moment of his death at the Palace of Sanssouci. Carl Jung believed this coincidence to be supernatural in nature. Whether a coincidence is viewed as spiritually significant or simply symbolically meaningful, is often based on a person's religious beliefs. Signs can be interpreted as literal guides or as metaphoric confirmation. One famous example of symbolic synchronicity comes from a victim of the September 11th attack on the World Trade Center, Michael Richards. He was a sculptor who in 1999 created a strange self-portrait called Tar Baby versus St. Sebastian. Using his body for the cast, this sculpture depicts a man that is being penetrated on all sides by small airplanes similar to the arrows that were shot at the Christian martyr St. Sebastian. It was created to honor the Tuskegee Airmen, African-American pilots from World War II. This strange self-portrait can be seen to foretell Richard's death. On September 11, 2001, he was on the 92nd floor of Tower 1 when it was hit. Richard's ironically created a sculpture of his body being overwhelmed by airplanes, just like the airplanes that hit the World Trade Center and killed him. The sculpture is now on display at the North Carolina Museum of Art. 
Another example of synchronicity from the art world comes from the story of Helma of Klint. Klint created large paintings of abstracted spiritual forms that were way ahead of her time. Between 1906 and 1920, she created paintings that are true abstractions before the abstract movement took hold in Europe. During her lifetime, she had almost no audience for her work and stated in her will that she wanted for the paintings to be kept secret for 20 years after her death until the world would be ready for them. In the 1970s, they were reintroduced to art museums by her relatives. It was then that art historians finally recognized them for what they were, the first abstract paintings. Many art history books, including the one I read in college, still omit Clint's work. Vasily Kandinsky is most often called the first abstract expressionist artist, even though his work came years after Clint. And I love Kandinsky, but let's give credit where credit is due. My artist friend, Teresa Vasquez, talked me into going to the Guggenheim Museum's exhibit of Clint's work in 2019, and I am so glad she did. For us, that visit to New York was a pilgrimage. One of the most amazing things about the exhibit was learning that Clint dreamed of building a temple to house her artwork with a spiral-shaped staircase. Although her temple was never built, the design she created fit this description of the Guggenheim itself. It was as if she'd manifested the exhibit that didn't happen until years after her death. Do coincidences like this mean that the symbol of the staircase is universally appealing? Something inspired Clint and Frank Lloyd Wright, the architect who designed the Guggenheim, to both make the spiral staircase central to their designs. What is it that drew them both to this structure? Was Clint tapping into a spiritual source when she made the designs? Was this just a funny coincidence? Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Synchronicities are mysterious and often leave more questions behind than answers. Fourteen years before the sinking of the ship, the Titanic, a fictional book, The Wreck of the Titan or Futility, was written. The similarities between the story and the real event are uncanny. In both, a large ship with insufficient lifeboats carrying close to 3,000 people hit an iceberg and sank. In her book, The Secret Language of Signs, Denise Lynn expresses her belief that stories like this are examples of how signs can be messages from the divine and can function to, quote, prepare you for future events. All of these examples of synchronicity that I have shared so far seem mysterious in hindsight. Could a symbolic sign predict the future? If you change your behavior based on a sign, one thing is for certain. You will take destiny into your own hands. As you go throughout your life, you can be on the lookout for signs. They can come in the form of an unexpected symbolic encounter or they could come when someone sets an intention to experience a sign. In his book, Sidewalk Oracles, Playing with Signs, Symbols, and Synchronicity in Everyday Life, Robert Moss proposes that if someone needs to make an important decision, they can set the intention that they would like guidance for it in the form of a sign. 
Then they can look for that sign in a number of ways. They can take a walk, then look for the first unusual thing they encounter, or open a book at random, reading a line from a page, then interpreting those words as a sign. In this next section, we will look at examples of traditional ways to interpret signs as they are experienced. Whether signs come by chance or intention, here are a few forms they can take. People as signs. Many years ago, I was in a relationship that I wasn't sure I wanted to continue. My partner and I had grown stagnant and distant from one another. I wanted a change and yearned for a closer, more fun-loving relationship, but it didn't seem that there were many eligible men that I knew. If I left the relationship, would I just end up even more lonely than I had been before? On my way to work one Saturday morning, I was fretting over this big decision when I had to screech my car to a halt. In front of me was a large group of men running down the street toward my car. They were shirtless and glistening with sweat. My mouth fell open. As I gaped at them, they ran toward my car, then parted, half going on one side of me, half on the other. It was a glorious sea of men. <laughs> and for a moment, my hands tightened on the wheel of the car as I felt an overwhelming sense of frustration. Then I started laughing. It's raining men, I thought. Suddenly, men didn't seem so scarce. There were so many of them in this big, wide world. I took this encounter as a sign that I shouldn't worry so much about finding another relationship. My scarcity mentality wasn't fitting reality. There are plenty of fish in the sea. Many people believe that if you form a question in your mind, the people you encounter next will give you a symbolic answer to the question. Whether you have a dilemma like my relationship question or any other decision in your life, you can be on the lookout for signs of all types. If a question is specifically about relationships, noticing the people you encounter can guide you. Years ago, one of my relatives was elderly and living in an area that was gradually becoming more and more populated with college students. She and her husband were getting tired of the wild parties happening all around their house every weekend. The beer cans and trash that littered the streets were unpleasant. She was considering downsizing to a townhouse, but wasn't sure if the time was right. One morning, she came downstairs to find a student passed out in her kitchen. In the middle of the night, in a drunken stupor, he thought that her house was his house. He broke the back door, then fell to the floor. After the situation had passed, she decided that this incident was a sign that it was officially time to move. She quickly found a nice townhouse and was happy there for the last few years of her life. Noticing how we feel when encountering others can help signal what steps to take in the future. In their words or actions, you might find the wisdom that you have been seeking. I once went on a job interview wearing an all-white outfit a long flowing skirt with a lace blouse. When I stepped into the shop, I was shocked to see that the floor had black carpet, the walls were painted black, 
the two people who interviewed me were both wearing all black. At first, I thought that maybe the symbolic lightness of my character could help balance out the dark of their store, but when the store owners were rude to me during the interview, I changed my mind. I felt that the fact that I was wearing all white and that they were wearing all black was a sign that we were opposites and that I should not take the job. Signs from the body. Many people believe that if a person is injured or sick, the body part that is affected could be an important sign. In her first book, Heal Your Body, The Mental Causes for Physical Illness and the Metaphysical Way to Overcome Them, Louise Hay created a list of body parts, probable causes for ailments, and corresponding affirmations. She believed that dis-ease, disease, can be reversed by simply reversing mental patterns. A few years ago, I tripped on the stairs after a long day setting up my art studio. I sprained my ankle badly in the fall. Hay would interpret this to mean that I was suffering from, quote, inflexibility and guilt. I interpreted my fall as a sign that I needed to slow down. The frantic pace I had been working at was too much for my body to keep up with. If I suffered from guilt, it stemmed from the financial risk to my family that I was taking on by starting the new business. By slowing down and taking time for myself, I was able to heal my ankle within a month. In 2005, my grandmother's brother Dwight died at the age of 87. A week later, my grandmother suffered from a stroke. The body expresses what we feel. My grandmother's heart was broken from the death of her beloved brother. In cases of extreme emotion, the body is clearly affected. Other times, the effects of emotion on the body are more subtle. Cases of chronic pain are worth examining as potential signs of underlying stress. Objects as signs. When one of my best friends, Sheila, decided to change careers, she enrolled in business school. Classes would start soon, but she felt unsure of whether or not she should leave her life as a graphic designer behind. Riding her motorcycle from New York to Rhode Island, the hard drive disc that held her portfolio of graphic work was lost. Sheila decided that this was a sign that, yes, she should let go of her identity as a graphic designer and start business school. The hard drive became a tangible symbol of her career as a graphic designer. Losing it helped her make the decision to move forward in a new direction. The objects we use and love can hold within them the shape and scope of our energy. Where we place those objects can be outward signs of our inner feelings. What is lost and what is found show where our minds dwell. The weather as a sign. Many people from various cultures have viewed natural phenomenon as signs. Ancient Romans looked to signs for guidance in a wide variety of forms, including the weather. One consul to the Roman Republic, Marcus Claudius Marcellus, gave up running for a political candidacy because a clap of thunder struck during his election. Rainbows are seen as good signs in my culture. 
If a rainbow formed in the sky during a wedding ceremony, the party would be overjoyed for the happy couple. Animals as signs. One of the first times I came to visit my art studio, I met my realtor there on a cold winter evening. I was excited to potentially buy the property. It ticked off a lot of boxes for me. It had a garden, plenty of windows, street parking, and was zoned for business or residential use. I felt worried, though, that my favorite students would think it was located too far away from where they lived. I was currently renting a studio space that was closer to many of them, and I knew that when a business is relocated, they often lose customers. When we arrived, I was surprised to find that in the large trees across the street were hundreds of crows. Perched up in the branches, they cawed and fluttered around. Moving together as a group, they migrated from tree to tree down the little stream that runs through the neighborhood. I felt delighted to see such an overwhelming congregation of birds. The experience reassured me that tribes move together, that it is within the instincts of birds and humans to move as one. I saw this encounter with the crows as a comforting sign that my art community would migrate to the new space. I bought the studio and our art community now continues to thrive and grow within it. In ancient Rome, there were fortune tellers who specialized in reading signs based on the behavior of birds. They were called augurs and were often consulted by heads of state on political strategy. If a bird flew to the right or left, it was seen as a good or bad omen. According to legend, the location for the city of Rome was determined by observing the flight of birds. Similarly, many New Age spiritualists today believe that encountering animals can be a sign. Books like Ted Andrews' Animals Speak, The Spiritual and Magical Powers of Creatures Great and Small, express a belief that the qualities of an animal that you encounter might indicate the action that you should take in the future. For example, if my path crossed with a bear that was heading toward a cave, it might mean that I should also hibernate like a bear and not go to any social engagements in the coming months. Also, Andrews believed that a person could have a lifelong spiritual relationship with an animal. Animals are often interpreted as guides whose behavior can help direct someone's actions. The behavior of animals can mirror the behavior of humans, yet their instincts are uninhibited by socialization. Understanding animals can help you, in the words of Ted Andrews, quote, understand yourself. Dreams as signs. About 10 years ago, I had a recurring dream that I entered a house. In every version of the dream, I was moving into the house and it was situated next to a body of water. Sometimes the water was a tranquil lake. Other times it was an ocean of moving waves. These dreams helped me to realize that I wanted to make a change in my life by moving to a new house. We can look to dreams for guidance on how to make important decisions. Dreams hint at the undercurrents of how we actually feel about the elements in our lives. 
In dream analysis, every image in a dream can potentially represent something significant in the dreamer's life. Encountering an orange in a dream might indicate that the dreamer needs more vitamin C or that they should call their sister who loves oranges. One dream symbol can be interpreted in many ways. If you encounter your mother in a dream, the character could represent your actual mother or the mothering side of yourself. Part of dream analysis involves following your intuition about the message of the dream. We have a saying in my culture that if you need to make a big decision, you should, quote, sleep on it. This means that dreams can help someone make a clear decision. By examining the symbols that they encounter in dreams, the dreamer can find guidance. If you have a dream with a powerful symbol but aren't sure what it might represent, ask yourself how you felt about it. What emotion did the dream give you? Ask yourself where in your waking life you saw a similar symbol. Ask yourself what the symbol might be a metaphor for. Read the entry for the symbol in the encyclopedia section of this book, and then ask yourself how that meaning might apply to your life. The answers to these questions will offer clues that can lead you to an understanding of what the dream is trying to tell you. Dreams are valuable because they can indicate how you should design your future life. Your subconscious is more aware of your feelings than your conscious mind. By looking at the meaningful symbols in dreams, we can bring feelings to the surface. Then we can make competent decisions in our waking life. As you encounter symbols in your day-to-day -day life, consider how they might be reflections of your hopes and fears. We all encounter numerous symbols throughout our day, yet certain images stand out to us as important. Whether you believe that these signs are from an outside divine source or your inner emotions, they can help you make decisions. They can direct your attention to what is important. Quote by William Morris, the past is not dead. It is living in us and it will be alive in the future we are now helping to make. Each year when my grandfather's rose bush blooms, I feel that his spirit is with me again. I started this chapter with a quote from the grim fairy tale. St. Joseph handed her a rosebud and said, Never fear, when this blooms, you will be with me again. When my rosebush blooms, I feel that my grandfather is symbolically there. I see within the pattern of care that my grandfather gave to the rosebush the same vital energy that it takes to sustain all life as we know it. Now I take the same care to nurture the plant as he did. The cycles and patterns of our nature are displayed in sacred symbols that we hold dear. The main message of this chapter. Symbols are interpreted by many people as messages from the divine or their subconscious mind. The emotional reaction you have to symbols can help you make decisions. Questions to ask yourself. Have you ever encountered an important symbol at a time when you needed guidance? What do you believe about the spiritual nature of signs? 
and that there's a final quote by Lin Yuzheng. There is more hope in a heather rose than in all the tons of philosophy. <laughs> yes, there is more hope in a heather rose than in all the tons of philosophy. What is that saying? It's saying you can look at a rose and it's not just a rose. It represents so much more. This concludes our chapter four, Symbols as Signs. This concludes the Studio Alchemy podcast. May these thoughts and stories comfort and heal your spirit. May you be filled with inspiration. May you be like the lotus flower and build your home in the muddy water. May you find your voice. <laughs>